Hey everyone, this is Craig Horlbeck from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Join me, Danny Heifetz, and Danny Kelly every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to help you win your draft, win your league, and most importantly, avoid that last place punishment. Follow the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hello and welcome to Dual Threat. I'm Nora Princiati. I'm Steven Ruiz. We've got a great show. We're going to talk a little bit about the Bengals offense. We're going to do a little off-season hype check-in. Go through some of the stories that got a lot of buzz before the games actually started and see how it's going after three weeks. And then we'll talk a little Thursday night football. Good game tonight. Let's do it. Okay. Bengals offense. Cincinnati narrowly escaped going 0-3. Beat the Rams on Monday night football 19-16. to but after the game, Joe Burrow said what I think is basically the defining sentence of the situation Cincinnati is in, which was there's a risk to go out there and potentially re-injure it, but there's also a risk to go out there and be 0-3. And, and that to me is basically what the Bengals have to, to navigate as they go forward through the season where I think they still have high expectations for themselves as a team. Obviously, they're in, in this window with Burrow um, where... Every season feels like it could be a Super Bowl season. This is a team that we've seen make a Super Bowl as a wild card. So it is certainly not that all is lost. But I do think that, you know, most of the teams going out there week to week basis, most playoff contenders are basically there's sort of just like one axis that they're making decisions on, which is how do we win the game? How do we have the best record as possible and make the playoffs and peak the right time and, and be as good as we can be? The Bengals are going to have to navigate the majority of this season, it seems like, balancing that and balancing how do we keep Joe Burrow as healthy as possible and how do we protect him from needing to take a full month off or more time off or being in a situation where even if you are at risk of going out there and, and starting the season 0-3, it's not worth it. So, so far, so good. Right. I think it was a big deal that they they beat the Rams, got in the win column. But it just looks to me like they are facing a tough situation that's going to last, but that's not to say that they can't do it. 
I believe, Stephen, you are writing about the Bengals this week. What's your take on their temperature and their ability to navigate the situation with Joe Burrow's calf? I think those like those axes you're talking about, like one, the other 31 teams are just trying to win football games and the Bengals have this other complicating layer, layer to it. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe like 28. Uh, (laughs) But I, 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 I don't think there's like questions are like mutually exclusive. Like I think one question we have to ask is does Joe Burrow in this state give them the best chance to win football games? Because like the offense is not working. They rank 28th in EPA per play, dead last in success rate. They've scored 46 points all season long. Like, even against the Rams, they won the game, but the defense won them the game. Like, they gave up 13 points. You could have possibly won that game with Jake Browning. I don't think, like, Joe Burrow necessarily was the reason why they won. And, like, when I'm looking at this offense, doing the research for for writing this article, I was trying to find, like, one play type that they were good at, like, something that they've done well this season, and it's literally nothing. Like, they've, I'm not exaggerating. They are, they are bad at everything. They can't run the football. They can't do play action. Joe Burrow has attempted, or he's completed one pass over 10 air yards between the numbers on the field. Like, that's <laughs> most of the field, and he, he's just not <laughs> throwing, to the, throwing to that area. And it's because he can't drive the football. Like, when you watch him throw from, like, the ed- end zone angle... You can see like how weird his footwork is and how he's kind of like bracing for the calf injury. And you can't like make an offense out of not being able to run the football and not being able to throw over the middle of the field. Like you can't make an offense out of checkdowns and like go balls to the perimeter. That just doesn't work. And I don't know how you fix it. Like, what do you do? They can't even go under center. They've they've had two dropbacks under center all year long. Right. One was a spike. The other one was like a play action play on third and two where Burrow didn't even like carry out the play fake. He just kind of took the, the ball and just like hurried it and threw it. So they can't even do that. Like they can't change the formation. So like there's all these factors that they have to figure out around the calf injury where like even if he gets better, they still have issues all over the place. So I'm like kind of pessimistic about this. Like I thought it would be fine, but now that I'm looking into it, like I don't know how they fix the offense. Here's like a here's like a really troubling statistic. They're number one in light box run rate. So they're getting light boxes. Defenses aren't selling out to stop the run, even with Burrow limited. And they are that bad at running. They're last well, so in success rate. They can't run against was, light boxes. This was one of my my questions for you, which was could they or should they try to run the ball more? Because this was a game on Monday where we spent a lot of last week talking about if it was going to be Jake Browning out there and if Joe Burrow was going to be able to to go and play. And Joe Burrow played and they still asked him, and even though it was so tentative, they still asked him to throw 49 passes. Now it seems like a big part of that is his own three was on the table and they decided to have him go. But it doesn't look like they made huge changes to their run-pass balance based on the fact that they have a quarterback who can't generate the same amount of velocity that Mm -hmm. he's used to being able to generate because he can't push off the calf. He can't put a lot of pressure on his right calf, which is, is, that is the physical piece that is limiting him, which is that he can't get the deep ball going in the same way that he's used to. And he also just can't rifle a short pass into a tight window or a closing window because he can't generate that type of velocity. Right now, 
they are an above average rushing team, but still generating negative EPA when running the ball. And their success rate is still better on, on dropbacks than when they're rushing the football. Right. Yeah. So like you said, it's very hard to find something where it goes, oh, well, this is going well. So try to hang your hat on that. But because they have still been so pass heavy, do you think that those numbers, like the fact that even when they are facing light boxes, they are just still not able to run the football, does that negate any possibility of switching it up, relying on Joe Mixon a little bit more than than they've chosen to so far, and trying to give defenses a different look and take some of the pressure off of Burrow to be pushing off that calf 50 times a game? Right. I think like that's that's where like the shotgun under center thing becomes an issue because it's right. Like, we've, when you, we've been through this before with them in their run game in, in in a different way, but yeah, what makes like what makes running from the gun so hard is and I think this is like an obvious thing that is kind of easy to overlook is that like when the running back is to the right, let, let, let's say you're in the gun and the running back is to the quarterback's right. Like 95% of the time, that means he's going, if you do a run play, if you hand the ball off, he's going to run to the left. It's just how it, it doesn't right. make sense to, you can't really hand the ball off to the right and have him run right. There are like counter plays and stuff, but those are like, they're counters for a reason. They're not like your base plays. So they're lining up in the shotgun like 100% of the time. And they're giving the defense that tell 100% of the time, basically. So right. defenses are loading up to the opposite side where the back lines up. So it becomes hard to even have a run game. And like one thing defenses are doing, like last year we talked about like how the Bengals started running RPOs. Defenses are just forcing the give. They're like, we're not going to let you throw the ball. Like we know what we have to do to give you the the run read. And we're going to make you do that. Out of 39 RPOs this year, he's handed the, or he's thrown the ball five times. His pass rate on RPOs has, has been cut in half. It's 10% right now. So like defenses are dictating what they're doing. And like they're able to load up against whatever direction they're running the ball in. So that just makes running the ball even more difficult. And then now, like, you can't really get into your play action pass game because Burrow can't move. He's not scrambling. He's not running well. You can't go under center because you don't want him to drop back and put even more strain on that calf. Like, it's hard to figure out what to do. I think the solution is finding a middle ground between shotgun and under center. And that's obviously the pistol. And like we've seen in the past, teams go to the pistol when their quarterback is lim- limited, like their movement, like Peyton Manning with the Broncos, they, they ran some pistol because they wanted to get into the under center stuff, like be able to run under center run plays, but they, but Peyton couldn't really move. So that was a perfect middle ground. I think that's what the Bengals need to do because it, it's not going to fix things like the, the offense is still going to be bad, but at least you have some variety. And we saw like on Monday night, they had that one deep ball to, uh, Jamar Chase. It was the first time they completed a pass over 20 air yards this season. Right. They were the last team in the NFL to do to do it. It was the first time they went to the pistol. They ran play action. Wow. And he got wide open. It's the only time they've run it. So I think that is something they're going to do going forward. Okay. Yeah. And so you would you think that that is a more viable option than say, because part of listening to you describe all of that makes me think you cannot run this offense with Joe Burrow, this compromised 
you also can't run this offense with Jake Browning. No, yeah. It's, I don't think you would it, have to, though. That's well, the, so that's that's, that's where I was going because I think there's a tendency, and it's it's I'm not saying it's unfair, but I think that there's a tendency to go to how does a team with Super Bowl aspirations go into a season with Jake Browning as their backup? And I, I don't think that that's a totally unfair criticism, but I also think that you have to put it in the context of the way that this offense is designed to operate in an ideal world is just not an offense where your average NFL backup is no, going to yeah. be able to do anything with it anyway. Which leads me to, I do wonder to some degree if they need to make a life raft for a month, if it's better, you know, or two games or three games or whatever, if that does lead you to, well, don't run, don't run this offense, but let the backup handle it for, for whatever stretch you need to so that Burrow is, is healthier and has physical tools that are more in line with the guy that you designed this offense around. But between those two worlds, which is basically what I just described, where you try to do your best with the backup, become a more balanced offense, don't necessarily play to all of the strengths that you've you've built this thing to do, but just be honest about who Jake Browning is, which is not Joe Burrow, versus try to make it work with Joe and lean on the pistol. You would, uh, see, you would go yeah. through door door two. No, I would go. I I would go through door one. And the reason why is not necessarily like the calf or the effectiveness of the offense. It's what you're exposing Burrow to potentially. Like right. the, the calf, one of the reasons the calf injury is so limiting is because he can't like push off of it. He can't get on his toes, basically. Like his, his feet right. are flat. And when your feet are flat, that's when knee injuries happen. Like oh if you, and, I, and if you can't move, you can't avoid that. So I, I feel like you're re- he's, he's more prone to like getting another type of injury if he's out there with this calf injury. And that's what I would be worried about is the other injuries that might result from it. Like he can't protect himself. You have it's the NFL. These are fast guys. He's getting hit by Aaron Donald and he can't move to protect himself yeah. or like get into a position to protect himself. It's tough. Like we we talked about Tua like doing all this work to learn how to fall. I, I think Burrow might have similar problems just because he can't move right now. So that that would be my concern is the long term more more so than like oh we got to fix this offense. But I think like that's you're fighting this war on two fronts where it's like yes, we're trying to get Burrow healthy, but at the same time we have issues on offense that we need to figure out. And that that's a thing for them like every year it seems like Burrow gets off to a slow start, then they figure things out and he gets better by the time the playoffs come yeah. around. So I see why Burrow wants to play cuz he wants to do that kind of work that he wants to get that progress and you, he said that after the game in the interview where he's like it's going to get a little bit better every week and I think he wants to be out there so it does get a little bit better by the time so by the time he's healthy he's ready to play and the offense is like up to speed but there's uh, so that's so that the offense can get a little mm-hmm. bit better every week they can get more comfortable with what they want to run the other concern beyond just the fact that if he's not one mobile, two, if he's standing flat footed back there all the time, that exposes him to more major injuries is that he didn't play once he injured in, in July. He didn't play in the preseason. He basically sat everything out 
in in large part because he had stated a concern of messing up his own mechanics. He didn't want to be compensating. He didn't want to corrupt his his physical process and felt like that was a concern in the preseason. Now, obviously, the risk-reward is different in the regular season where you can lose games that matter. But the risk of that happening, if he was worried about it then, there's no reason to not be worried about it now. And it has. Uh, like, that concern was legit, legitimate. In my article, I have, like, an example of him throwing a route, like, of similar distance in a similar part of the field and compare it to 2023, and it's, like, totally different, his feet. They have the Titans this weekend, the Cardinals in week five, then the Seahawks, and then their bye week. Then they don't... That The Seahawks game is on October 15th. They don't play again until October 29th. But when they do, it's against the 49ers. It's against... Then it's the Bills. Then they have the Texans. But hey, the Texans don't look like a pushover anymore. Uh, and then they have division games, um, Ravens, Steelers. That gets you to Thanksgiving, basically. There's a large part of me, and I mean, no, you know, nobody asked me. I haven't seen his his what's coming out of their training room and what they know about the severity and everything. But the Titans game and the Cardinals game feel winnable. The good news, by the way, the silver lining I thought of, of um, I mean, I guess it's not a silver, silver lining because they needed a win against the Rams. But the thing that came out of that was just a reminder that this is a good defense. Um, yeah. They got six six sacks on Matt Stafford. Trey Hendrickson, he was matched up with a backup tackle, so they certainly took advantage of that. But he looked really, really good. He was wrecking that game for Sean McVay, for Stafford, for the Rams' offense. You can probably get through, get at least one more win there. The Seahawks game is tough, but then you get a bye. There's, I, I don't really understand why they don't just let him sit for a while. Yeah. Just let it, let this try to heal. Yeah. Like it this doesn't is the seem stretch, like that's the direction right? this is going, but yeah. Cause this after this the stretch, stretch to do it's it. the bills and the chiefs and like teams like that. So I think like that makes sense to me. Uh, Where do you think Zach Taylor fits into all that's of this? That's what I was about. To, I wanted to bring him up because that's the person we haven't named. Let's, and I let's think, get like, him do, in the mix. Do your job for once, please. Like, like that's kind of mean or whatever. Or not fair. Because I, I do think he did a good job last year of kind of figuring things out during the middle of the year. Although I think like, oh, let's run RPOs isn't like some master stroke of genius. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't Matt know how much Canada credit he just deserves. tried that. Right. And maybe like Burrow was the one influencing that because he, he did it at LSU a bunch. Uh, well, but I but think, yeah. I, I don't know. I think it is fair. Like on some level, it's fair because why do we always have to have this conversation in October and November of... Right. Oh, the Bengals are figuring it out. And that, I mean, look, like, to some degree, that is a thing that teams with good quarterbacks and, and high aspirations and great teams do. The Patriots did that for years with Brady. It's, it's it wasn't not, like this. But it, yeah, it wasn't It was like the like worst this. offense in the NFL. And then, like, and it's they, also they like they, they, it's not, it doesn't seem execution based. It just no. seems like they haven't figured out what works for them. Yeah, especially in the past, right? Like, this year, obviously, the Burrow thing is affecting them. But, like, this isn't a new 
development. Like last September, they were bad too and had to figure things out. And like the September before that, I think they started one and three and then made the Super Bowl. So like this is a thing that happens every single year. And like like you said earlier, this isn't an offense where you just drop in any quarterback and they can run it, which sounds weird about like an offense with two top 10 receivers, right? And it's because you're not getting much help from the scheme. And like, I think we're seeing that. Like, I, I, I do think the injury is exposing Taylor a little bit because there are going to be times in the future when, when Burrow is healthy, where a defense is able to take away some of these things. Like, they're able to keep him in the pocket. Yeah. Like, that's a thing that you can do with X's and O's. You're able to take away the middle of the field. That's something you're able to do with X's and O's. So, this is like an issue he's going to have to solve. Maybe not like over the course of a full season, but like in one off situations, especially in the playoffs. And if he can't do it, then why are we paying him? Like, why did we give him a new contract? As you said before, it's hard to figure out what they are good at. So I'm. this is, I don't know that I have a great diagnosis other than I'm just not sure it should take three weeks to settle on, oh, hey, the pistol might work. But if your quarterback is struggling with something like this that is a concern to be exacerbated in a way that could really, really affect your entire season. I'm just not sure there's any situation in which you should should have him throw 50 passes. Every single time he throws the ball, there is a chance that he is going to step, put his foot down, and... Either he's doing it in a way that is going to mess up, mess him up mechanically because he's trying to not push off or muscle memory takes over. He pushes off that calf and, and tweaks it, which we've already seen happen. Right. So every Ravens. single yeah. time you ask Joe Burrow to throw a pass, you are exposing yourself to a significant risk. I I know the run game hasn't been good. I know it's sort of like, I don't know what else we can can really do here. I'm just not, like, if your coach can't come up with a, a way to not have him do that 50 times against a Rams defense that is maybe a little bit friskier than we thought before the season, but is not exactly the Browns, I, I don't think that's a very good coaching job. I think you have to come up with something else. Yeah, and I don't think like 19 points against at home against that Rams defense justifies having him out there. Right. Like Joe Burrow averaged under like five yards per attempt. It's not like he wasn't playing well. And this was like the perfect defense to play against with how they're playing right now. Like the the short stuff underneath, like the Rams give that up. They play like quarters all the time. So like the the flats are going to be open. Right. So it's like not a surprise that he was able to move the ball bit by bit. The fact that they couldn't push the ball downfield without doing the play action from the pistol is like kind of a red flag to me. But it's, and also, I mean, you won the game 19 to 16. It's not exactly like it was, you know, oh, congratulations on on the, on the dominant performance. It doesn't matter because they won the game and we, the statistics on making the playoffs, if you start 0 and 3 are really, really bad. And so that was a meaningful thing that they, they went out there and they got a win and it keeps them, Genuinely, it keeps them alive in a way that that is meaningful. So in some ways, I guess that justifies the decision. But I don't think the process of it makes you think that if they make a similar decision next week and the week after and the week after that, that something bad isn't going to happen. 
Yeah. I don't know. We don't we don't have solutions, but we're not paid millions of dollars to come up with solutions. So that's on Zach. Taylor. I don't know. I liked the pistol thing. I yeah, think they can idea. win some games on defense. We're, but we're basing that on a, a one-play sample size. <laughs> and what happens when defenses start defending the pistol play, like that one play? It's it's over again. Yeah, but you can get like two weeks. Come on. Jonathan Zach Taylor, Gannon I have to come up with two plays? <laughs> Jonathan Gannon is not paying attention to this. He doesn't know you're running the pistol hey, all of a sudden. Hey, this is a pro-Jonathan Gannon podcast. We're pro-cringe coach. <laughs> Our cringe lord, we will not, we will not, we will not criticize him, okay? Last thing, um, Burrow is now consulting Aaron Rodgers on calf maintenance. Rodgers talked about it. Burrow said that he reached out. Uh, it is something that Rodgers, I want to, I just want to say this because I want to make jokes about Aaron Rodgers and medical science, but Rodgers did deal with calf injuries throughout his career, so that's probably fine. But he wasn't good at, on the calf. Like that, like... <laughs> Killed the, the Packers Yeah, because offense. it's hard to play quarterback <laughs> right. when your calf is hurt. <laughs> right, yeah. This is the problem with athletes, is they're too positive. So I'm sure Joe Burrow texted texted Aaron Rodgers and was like, hey, like going through this thing with the calf, I know it's something you dealt with. Any advice? What would you do in, in this situation? Blah, 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 blah. And Rodgers is like, you can do it. You got to like power positive thinking. No, the most helpful response text would have been, just give up, man. Don't play. Like, <laughs> sit for a month. It's not worth it. Just listen to the Sunday edition of the of the uh, Ringer uh, of Dual Threat. Sorry, uh, dolphin noises. Free dolphin noises. You don't even need to pay for them. We were giving it out for free. Giving it out for free. Yeah, the, the uh, Miami offense is going to have to keep it up so that we can keep dispensing. So we could fix Joe Burrow. Powerful yeah. healing tools right here on these airwaves. Now that I thought about it, though. I'm actually against starting Jake Browning because that means I would have to add him to my quarterback to rankings, quarterback which means I would have to watch Jake Browning and come up with an informed opinion on him. And I don't want to do that. No one wants that. I'm sorry, but I'm I'm pro they should start Jake Browning. Well, then you can write the blurb. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fine. Okay, that's fair. All right, you figured it out. Okay, we're going to do a little off-season hype check-in, but let's take a quick break first. Come back with that. Get ready to start the NFL week off right because right now all customers can get a no sweat same game parlay for Thursday night football. Just place a three leg same game parlay on this week's game between the Packers and the Lions and you'll get bonus bets back if you don't win. I'd go for the Lions money line, Sam Laporta, 40 plus receiving yards, maybe Jordan Love, plus 16 and a half rushing yards. Although what I would really do is wait until closer, see if there's anything you can get in on Aaron Jones, because if he comes back and plays, I think he'd make a big difference for Green Bay. But you can build your own or choose from one of the popular same game parlays pre-built for you in FanDuel's top rated sportsbook app. And FanDuel is now live in Kentucky. Download the app now and take advantage of their great special offers, boosts, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash RingerNFL dash gamblers so you don't miss out on your chance to get a no sweat same game parlay on America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel, unofficial sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max refund $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. 
Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. All right, we are back. We figured it would be fun three weeks into the season to do a little check-in on some of the stories that got the most hype, the most buzz during the offseason and just see how it's going. Some good, some bad, some mixed. Let's start with Jacksonville, particularly the Calvin Ridley experience in Jacksonville, which not only was hyped during the offseason, but I think particularly after he went off, I think nearly 100 yards in, in week one and looked explosive. That train got rumbling downhill pretty fast. It hasn't been quite as good since the Jags offense is, is struggling. Ridley in particular, I think, has looked rusty in the hands department. He's dropped yeah. three passes. He's uh, and right now his his catch rate is at fifty percent. Where are you on Jags hype? On Calvin Ridley hype? On Jags and Calvin Ridley hype? I'm, I I think they'll be fine going forward. I think the offense will be at least. Uh, Trevor's played well. It's not just me saying that. Like he's like second behind Tua in PFF grade. So it, he's been affected by some poorly timed turnovers and like weird tur- turnovers. Like they've hit the receiver's hands and went right to the defender. And there was like the Tank Bigsby play where he just forgot that the whistle hadn't blown. Uh, other than that, though, he's been pretty good. Like he's been good on first down. He's been good on second down. He's kind of not been good on third down. But a lot of that are, are these these drops and these these catches out of bounds. That's happened a lot in the ed- end zone. So I think once they figure that out, it will be fine because Trevor is playing well. And like as long as the quarterback's playing well, I think things will be fine. I'm more concerned about the defense personally. But like the Trevor hype, the offensive hype, I think will be fine like in November. Yeah, I'm still high on Calvin Ridley in in this offense. I don't think that he's going to continue to drop a lot of balls. But that seems like rust to me. Rust comes off. His career average... Catch rate is 64%. Like I said, he's down at 50. He's playing with a really good quarterback. I trust that that is going to normalize. They're going to figure it out. He's still... uh, We've seen the athletic ability, the explosion, route running ability. Still looks like it's there. It's just been really fluky. I do think, uh, and I encourage everybody to go read Ben Solak's piece on the website about the Jags offense. I do think that some a reevaluation of the this is a dark horse Super Bowl team like that. Maybe the ceiling comes down a little bit just because it's not just Ridley, right? But it's, oh, this offensive line isn't very good. And to your point, nobody on defense is emerging as someone who, if you're an opponent, you really have to, to spend too much time game planning around. And other than the quarterback, no one is stepping up as a as a superstar, as someone who's you know going to come help you win a game when not everything is going right. But this is still a good team, and they've had some of the flukiest results in the league. I yeah. think through three weeks, just with all the the late down stuff, with the turnovers, with the drops, that should normalize. So I'm I'm the hype is is admittedly cooled, but I think they'll be okay. Yeah. Next one. 
is the Bills' two tight end sets. I know we did segments in April and May about how Buffalo figured to use 12 personnel a lot more um, this season with Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid. I really paused for a second there, making sure I didn't say Dawson Kincaid and Dalton Knox. That's so tough. Um, and they have. Their usage of, of 12 personnel has skyrocketed. They did not run it a lot last year. I think 6.3% of their offensive snaps. That was bottom of the league. And it's up at around 50. Like, this is a huge change. The question is what they've gotten for it. What have you seen, Steven? Uh, it hasn't worked really well. Like, Josh Allen is averaging 0.0 EPA per play on passes, and he leads the league in dropbacks. He's averaging 5.5 yards per dropback. So he's like league average when they do it. So it's not helping in the pass game. And then they're 17th in running EPA, 3.7 yards per carry. It's not working in the run game. Like, the theory is that it's hard to match up against personnel-wise. Like, they put two tight ends out there. The defense matches with base. Then you have an advantage in the pass game. If they match with nickel, then you can run the ball. They can't do either right now, at, at least not at a high clip. And I think the problem is like Dalton Kincaid is basically a receiver. He's basically a third right. receiver on the field. He's not going to block for you. And then Dawson Knox isn't like the best blocker himself. So you're not really getting the advantage in the run game. And defenses have just been matching with nickel. They're not messing around and putting a third linebacker out there. And I don't even know if that matters. It's Josh Allen. You think Josh Allen is like out there going, oh, I would have thrown this, but it's a, 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 a cornerback <laughs> instead of a... He doesn't care. He's like Brett Favre. Brett Favre didn't even know what a nickel defense was for the first five years of his career. So I don't know. I just think the theory was wrong to begin with. And like that's why the results aren't as good as they were expecting. But I'm not surprised by this. And I, like, I think they should dial back on it because they do have some decent receivers that they should put on the field. Well, so who's who's losing snaps because of this that you think would be... So Kincaid uh, right now is giving them 24 yards a game. Dawson Ox, 15. That's not like... Those aren't the stats that necessarily matter the most because like you said, this is the thing that they were doing to try to impact defenses. And that is what is not really coming to fruition. Who is getting shortchanged by the fact that they want both of these guys on the field together for a lot of snaps? I would say uh, Khalil Shakir, the draft pick mm-hmm. last year, who there was a lot of hype coming out of training camp last year. He didn't really make that big of an impact. When he did play, though, he flashed a little bit, but we're not really yeah. seeing anything from him. I think he, he has two catches for 16 yards on the season. Uh, I would say him. And I don't know. I just think this defense is at, or this offense is at its best when they spread things out and Josh Allen has like room to work with rather than clutter in the backfield with these tight ends. Uh, Wow. I don't clutter. Think the juice clutter is... in the backfield. You never want that. You never, you never want, want clutter, clutter in the backfield. In the backfield. Unless, you're, unless you're Kyle you gotta, Shanahan. Got to marry Kondo this, <laughs> this offense. Right, yeah. Uh, but I don't know. You're just not getting like... I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze. Yeah, I think... I think that makes sense. Shakira is a good good pull of someone who would matter if if he could develop for them. My take on this is that it just doesn't matter. Like, it, it's sort of like yeah, if 12 personnel falls in the forest in Buffalo and it doesn't make a difference in how the defense is lining up and, like, they're both catching some passes and this is the Stephon Diggs, to some degree, Gabe Davis, and then Josh Allen show, then cool. Like, 
it, it might be helping them running a little bit. They have been marginally better, I think, on the ground. Um, Cook has had some good moments for them. So maybe it's helping to some degree in that regard that they're just getting a little bit more size on the field. My take on this is like, it, those are receivers. Basically, it's fine. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I, I agree with you. I think personnel is like one of the most overrated things that we talk about. We're post-personnel. We We're post-personnel. No, it doesn't matter. I don't know. I, I, I think it's overrated. Like there was, I forget what year it was, but there was like, I think it was the year Baker Mayfield like did really well in 2020. And like the, the, the Browns ran a bunch of 12 personnel and then everyone's like, oh yeah, 12 personnel is really helping Baker. And then the next year they were bad at it. And then everyone's like, they're running too much 12 personnel. And it's like one of those things that where you're just like reacting to the results rather than like, it's not, it's descriptive, not prescriptive. And, and that's the problem. I think, right. I think uh, Brandon Bean just kind of galaxy brained himself into thinking this is how to fix the offense, an offense that didn't really need fixing. And I mean, I think they, it was the problem, like Kincaid's a good player. I just think you yeah. missed out on a player who would help elsewhere and move the needle a little bit more. I don't hate it. Like, just because I do think that there are situations where one of those guys is going to be able to give you like a chip block or something that would not otherwise be there. And a big thing for them has been, can you find little ways to protect this deeply reckless human being you have playing quarterback? And maybe like, if that helps in one situation where one of those guys just like puts a little bit of a, a body in between Josh Allen and some end that's, that's coming around and he's going to get there, but it changes it by a split second. That, that matters. It's, it's just that, the idea that this was going to revolutionize the Bills offense, I think, has been completely um, invalidated because it looks the same. Yeah. And even last week when they scored 37 points, a lot of that was like Josh Allen scrambling and the defense getting turnovers. Like last week wasn't a good offensive showing, in my opinion, or like a solid offensive showing. So they're on that. The, he has like yeah. he has Russell Wilson syndrome. The offense is going to look how it looks. You can ch- you can change whatever you want. It is going to be the Josh Allen. Like Josh Allen is one of a few quarterbacks who, when we describe him, we always use the word experience. Like no one says the Tua Tagovailoa experience. It's he's just <laughs> playing quarterback. It's always like it can mean a few different things, but like Kirk gets this too, where it's like the Kirk Cousins experience, where it's less about play style and just about like insane shit is going right. to happen. These guys but play Josh- quarterback at you. <laughs> He's right. It's like always a little bit of an affront. Um, Josh is an experience. The Josh Allen experience. You can't, you cannot like the fallacy of the offseason thinking in this case was the idea that Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox were going to alter an experience because an experience, like an experience cannot be denied. You're trying to create structure for a quarterback that doesn't want it. And is not interested in it. It's just completely disinterested in it. Yeah. It's not for him. Not for me. All right. An offense that actually has changed. Baltimore. To me, this is so far so good, even though the results have not been been like dominant. Um, But I also think that the expectation, at least for people who were, were treating this rationally, was that there would be an acclimation period. They're also so injured, but what else is new? So that that complicates things. Um, 
I think the thing that's exciting about this for the most, there's two things to me that are, that are exciting about this. One is that when Lamar has been kept clean, he has been like capital E elite. Mm -hmm. Uh, The stats are 57 of 70 for 552 pair of touchdowns, no interceptions. The deep ball has been like chef's kiss on the money. The other thing that's been really effective is probably the number one thing that if you've thought about this, like what this Todd Munkin offense could be there and got really excited about it, it was they're going to spread it out and then they're going to remember that they're the Ravens and they have an elite running quarterback and, and an elite running offense. And them rushing out of 11 personnel, which personnel is fake as we just discussed, but I am going to use it as as a stand-in for they're spreading things out. They're creating space. Yeah. Um, they've done it. They've rushed out of 11 31 times so far. They're averaging 0.45 EPA per play <laughs> on those rushing attempts. If that sounds stupid, like stupid good, there have been nine plays. Nine of those 31 um, have been plays on which Lamar has scrambled. Do you want to guess what their EPA per play is on on those um, those nine plays where he has scrambled when they're running 11 personnel? Is it higher than the 0. .45 or whatever? Yes. What is it? Oh my God. It's more than twice as high. It is over one EPA per play. <laughs> so it's just adding a point. Just put a point on the scoreboard every <laughs> time Lamar it's When scrambles out of 11, the Ravens get a point. So it's, it's happened nine times. Um, they've generated 75 rushing yards, five first downs, five missed tackles. That is just like stupid. <laughs> yeah. And that um, was like the theory, right? Like more space. And that's space. the theory, right. That is like proof of concept for what you're trying to do here. The bad news, because there is bad news. One this has not solved the weirdness of Lamar against the Blitz. And in particular, just pressure in general uh, has done pretty ugly things to this offense. I think the only fair way to talk about this acknowledges that they have been injured on the offensive line. They've been injured in general. So there are definitely caveats to apply there. Um, But it has stayed pretty ugly when he's pressured, including the four fumbles that have really hurt yeah, them. Yeah, that's the that's the problem is the fumbles. Like I think it's the part- a little bit more than the fu- like it's mainly the fumbles, but it's it's like I, I would just the the blitz continues to solve problems, which would be awesome to see it not, but it's it's mainly yeah. the fumbles. So like my take on this is it's been three games. And the first game was after the team the offense played no reps in the preseason. No, the first team didn't play in the preseason. So the fact yeah. that it was rusty, and it was rusty, but you could still see them move the ball against the Texans, who are maybe a good defense, like a decent defense, like not surprising whatsoever. It's the first time they played together. And, a, and like a, a defense that can bring pressure, which they did effectively in that game. Right. And then the third game happened in a rainstorm. A rainstorm that had a name. This wasn't just like it was raining. Like this was a... Like, I live in the area. Like, I live in D.C., which is close to Baltimore. Like, it literally just rained all week last week. And it was it was awful. I don't, like, that affects how you could throw the football. And I think there were yeah. a lot of, like, miscues, especially against the Blitz. Like, uh, there were at least two plays in overtime where there was a miscommunication where Lamar thought the receiver was going to do one thing and he did something else. And when you're, like, sped up against the Blitz, like that tends to lead to uh, incompletions. So I think that's one of the reasons why 
the the blitz numbers don't look good. But I, I do think like on tape, like you see Lamar is like processing faster, like processing against yeah. the blitz. He's finding the options. He just hasn't been on the same page, which goes back to the lack of reps thing and the injuries because you're playing with players that you weren't supposed to play with, like Kenyon Drake, for instance. I, I think that's more the issue. And I think once he stops fumbling, I don't think that's a, the, a part of the Todd Munkin offense. He's not calling the fumble play. <laughs> and Lamar has had these issues in the past. So I think once that goes away, you're going to see this offense start to click a little bit more. And I think one really promising stat is that Lamar is third in the NFL in dropback success rate. And that was always the question with him, right? Like, can he do the dink and dunk precision game where like you're, you're not really just yeah. relying on explosives and so far he's done it and then the one game that I didn't mention was the most important game of the season so far against the Bengals against a defensive coordinator who has historically given this offense problems and it yeah. was the best he looked yeah I think that game enough on its own is enough to say I'm feeling good about this hype like I, I think it's going to play out like we expected I would really love if they could get through a game without losing a core member of the team to an injury. But I am I am still buying more and more Ravens stock. And one, one last thing about the Blitz thing. I think the most important position when dealing with the Blitz is the center, and they haven't had their center for most right. of the season. So it makes sense like that there's some, some problems against that. Yeah, and the, the fumbles, the fumbles are happening in the pocket. Mm-hmm. So it it like it's not like he's being it's not like he's going out there on a scramble play and being reckless with the ball. It's it like I, I'm sure maybe someone's like studied this or something. I'm I, I just sort of making assumptions here. But like at a certain point, you just have to not have the defensive bodies break through to the pocket right. and maul the quarterback for that not to happen because it's not. It's not an issue of like he's not holding it carefully enough. It's out in space. It's just sort of like, yeah, well. It's it's not even an issue of like holding the ball too long, which is like another way quarterbacks can avoid right. yeah. getting strip sacked. It's not even that. It's just like, yeah, like you said, if if they can just block better and he's not getting blindsided, it'll stop. Another offense with a new coordinator, the Chargers. I, I'm in. I'm sold. Yeah, the Kellen yeah. Moore, Justin Herbert, it's great. Everything, like, it's working. Like, it's supposed to. Like, the run game worked in the first week when Eckler was out there. It hasn't worked so well in the last two games, but they went away from it, and they found other options. They started throwing bubble screens, and that replaced the run game. And, like, Herbert's pushing the ball downfield. Uh, receivers are getting open. It's, like, the opposite of what we saw last year. And that's all we wanted. We wanted an offense that allowed Justin Herbert to show off that arm. And he's he's like... He's doing it. It's like big-time throws every drive. Every drive yeah. you get like a a, 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 a jaw-dropping throw. So Near the a top plus. of the league in, in yards per attempt, in particular when they're facing pressure, um, I think is when you get the real wow stuff of he's still getting rid of the ball so quickly, but they, they're still managing to be a, a deep-passing offense. Um He's thrown three touchdowns against the Blitz. He's got a 2.19 average time to throw on those plays. 34-40, 317 yards, averaging 7.9 yards per attempt. Again, that's against the Blitz. I think that is like exactly what 
you were hoping for for Justin Herbert in this offense? Because historically, I think they've tried to mitigate some of that with the the dink and dunk. And that's what wore very old, very fast with the Joe Lombardi system. So that's yeah. great. They should just try to not have insane things happen every game. Yeah. But other than that, I think uh, I think like a another thing you're seeing is that uh, Herbert has more control over the offense at the line of scrimmage. Like he can change plays more often, which not very surprising considering how Dak operated under Kellen Moore and right kind of how the Sean Payton coaching tree, Joe Lombardi coached under Payton in New Orleans, kind of views that. Like, they don't really give... Like, unless you're Drew Brees, but if you're not Drew Brees, you're not, like, changing the plays all the time because Sean right. Payton thinks very highly of his play calls. I'm assuming Joe Lombardi does too. But now we're kind of seeing Justin Herbert take ownership of the offense, and it's working. Ben Johnson. One of the most hyped, I think, NFL figures of the offseason. Uh, didn't leave the Lions, Lions offensive coordinator. Huge for them to to keep him in the building for another year. How is the Ben Johnson experience going so far? Did you wait? Did you see uh, before last week's game against the Falcons what Arthur Smith said about Ben no. Johnson? He's kind of poking fun at the the hype. He's like, I've seen he's gotten a lot of like profiles of him. That was a direct shot at Ben Solak, who wrote a, a Ben wow. Johnson piece. Yeah, and then and Solak loves Arthur Smith. Loves Arthur Smith. Loves the Falcons. What a betrayal. But, uh, that is really, that's like honestly tragic. It really is. Uh, but I, I think like, okay. Like the offense hasn't been good. It's been mediocre, like around 16th in most stats. Uh, the run game isn't working, especially from under center, which was like their bread and butter last year. And that's yeah. affecting the play action pass game, which was their other bread and butter, if you can have two. Uh, and it's it hasn't been a disaster which I think is a check mark for Ben Johnson because it's not like it's not like he's dealing with the best personnel. I know the the offensive line is very good, uh, but it's still Jared Goff and it's a receiving core that's doesn't have Jameson Williams right now, and there's no deep threat on the roster. So I don't know how you do the explosive pass game without a deep threat. And they're still kind of doing it though. Like they're hitting tight ends down the seam. He's they're getting wide yeah. open. So he's still making it work around this. And like it's more impressive what he's doing this year than what like Sean McVay did when defenses figured out the Jared Goff offense. So I would give him a check mark, even though it hasn't gone as expected. Yeah, I think he's objectively doing a pretty good job because they're more limited than than I think the expectation was. I don't know that if we're talking about hype. I don't know that Ben Johnson has lived up to the hype, no. but that's probably unfair. Um, part of this is Jameer Gibbs hasn't been great. They haven't been able to, to, like you said, get a lot out of that running game. And when they don't have that, the fact that that's influencing the play action game, it becomes actually impressive when you think about it, the fact that they have been able to, to cobble together some of the more explosive elements, but it's just not working the way that it is supposed to work. And I don't know that this team with this good of an offensive line, with the investments that they've made at running back, it's a bit of a tough look that that part of the offense isn't working better. 
But that's more of an expectations versus reality thing than how well Ben Johnson is calling plays. Yeah, and I think we have like this impossibly high bar for coordinators. Like the Brian Flores discourse right now is just like making me go insane. Because say more. Do you know what this defense is? Like the fact that they held a blitz all the time. No, I, I'm talking about the personnel. Like we saw it last year with Ed Donatel, oh, like oh, refusing oh, 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 to play man oh, yeah. coverage ever. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, like no one, you can't work with this personnel. It's not good. Like you can't play man coverage. And I don't know how you play defense <laughs> if you can't play man coverage. Brian Flores decided, let's get really freaking weird. Let's just blitz the hell out of people. Yeah. And like, sure, Justin Herbert diced it up. But guess what? He was going to do that anyway. Like, they gave up 28 points, and it was against one of the best quarterback performances we've seen in the last few years. That's good. Like, that's what a coordinator is supposed to do. You kind of mitigate your weaknesses, and that's what he's done. Holding the Eagles' offense to whatever they held them to, like, that was impressive. Yes, they got run over by the Eagles' offensive line, but do you know who who else gets run over by the Eagles' offensive line? Every single team they play. And then the Bucs game was just them fumbling the ball away. Like, the defense did, did well. So, like, I think it's, like, a similar thing where we have, like, if you're not running a top-five offense, you're doing a bad job, and I don't think Ben Johnson's doing a bad job. I think he's doing a very good job considering what he's working with. And what he's working with is Jared Goff. Let's remember that. We will remember. The last thing I have on the list is the Aaron Rodgers Jets. I guess we had to include them because they were the most hyped entity in football from February to September, but um, it's not living up. Do we need some deep analysis on this? Whether it's no, I just did, literally in my notes, it just says womp womp. The locker room is apparently revolting because Zach Wilson is so bad. <laughs> and Robert Sala refuses to acknowledge it. I'm going to submit an, an FCC complaint if Zach Wilson starts on Sunday. I think he's I think they're they're sitting Trevor Simeon the first week. I think I read that. If that happens, I'm going to complain. This is not children are watching. This is how the Swifties can fix the NFL. Get Zach Wilson off my screen. I do think like I I've now that you've brought it up, Stephen, I've spent a lot of time thinking about what what we the Swifties should set our sights on as far as how we can improve the NFL. I think we could probably get the chop canceled in Kansas City, and I highly encourage everyone to to jump on that initiative. Zach Wilson, it seems like the wheels are in motion, so I'm not sure if we can organize ourselves in time to get Zach Wilson out of the starting lineup in three days. But if this continues, if for some reason, I mean, I don't know why they would have gone out and gotten Simeon if they weren't going to get him into the lineup. But if this continues... <laughs> yeah, if you, get, if, you, if you have Trevor Simeon on the roster, you can't keep him off the field now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this is where the Jets are. This is so sad. I like Trevor Simeon, by the way. I will go door-to-door telling people, Trevor Simeon, while not very talented, will at least try to make some good throws. He tries. He's ambitious. I'm just imagining hearing... My doorbell ring. I mean, also, I don't I live in an apartment. This wouldn't work. But like, hypothetically, I live in a house and my doorbell rings and I open the door and it's Steve Ruiz saying, say what you want about Trevor Simeon, but he's going to make some good throws and you're off. 
And then like, that's it. I don't even have anything else. I'm just like, uh, okay, that's all I got. Walk away. I would just stand there. I was just like, is this like a religious thing? Like, do you have a pamphlet to offer me? <laughs> have you accepted Trevor Simeon as your Lord and entertaining <laughs> backup option? <laughs> I get one of those. I, I do. I have one of those, like, you know, the fake like bodega candles where it has a person on it. Yeah. I have one of Taylor Swift. Um, I would, I would maybe I should a, tell people that I'm going to get you one of Trevor Simeon. I would love it. Like I said earlier, I don't want to write the the Jake Browning blurb for the quarterback. Rankings. I can't absolutely wait. Dying to write the Trevor I can't Simeon wait. quarterback rankings blurb. Oh, don't be surprised really when that that uh, he got that dog in him badge pops up on his uh, on his profile either. Wow, wow. What other what other what are the what are the what are the Jake Browning badges? I don't. I don't know. I, check, I, I need to make up a new merchant. one. It's like a TV screen with a like a, a an X. Like get him off my screen. Like I don't want to watch this. I don't. I don't know Jake Browning's game. I'm not going to lie and act like I know. I've never grinded Jake Browning tape. You think I'm watching Washington football? Get out you of here! You just no, told me you. That. You just told me that you would go door to door for Trevor Simeon. Nothing is off the table, Stephen. <laughs> Trent, uh, uh, Jake Browning's where I, I draw the line. I'm sorry. I'm not doing that. Okay. All right. Let's take one more break and then we'll come back, talk a little bit about Thursday Night Football and get out of here. All right. We've got a good Thursday night game this week. Uh, Packers-Lions rematch from week 18 of last year, the game that kept the Aaron Rodgers Packers out of the playoffs. What are you looking for this evening? Uh, I want to see the Lions offense like for the reasons I was talking about in the last segment against the Packers defense because I think the Packers defense is also kind of on trial here. Joe Barry in particular, like high expectation. If we were doing the the hype segment last year, Green Bay's defense would have led the segment because oh in the offseason, everyone's like, oh, top five defense here. And that did not happen. And we we talked about it all year. They were like a soft defense. They played a lot of zone. It was easy to run against them. And I think they've kind of changed how they've played this year. And it makes sense that they weren't able to make that adjustment in the middle of the year. Like when you spend the offseason installing a certain type of defense, it's hard to tear it up and start over in October. Uh, but I think this year you're kind of seeing them change their stripes. And I think going up against this run game is the perfect test. Like if you're a soft defense, you're not going to be able to handle this offense. And I think like this is a great litmus test for both of these units, the defense and offense. On the other side of the ball, just, you know, Jordan Love. Just how he develops. Yeah, and some consistency, um, I think, has got to be what they're looking for. They're still going to be shorthanded. Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, and then on the other side of the ball, Devondre Campbell, all declared out. But it sounds like Aaron Jones has a chance to play. That would be what I would be looking at. I mean, it's possible that he would be compromised. But I just, I really believe that this is a different looking operation offensively for Green Bay when he is able to play. So uh, the Lions are the favorites in this. Um, I, I would imagine. I don't know what the betting lines are, but I, I would be shocked if that were not the case. Uh, but I do think that if Jones is back in the lineup, what the Packers might be able to do offensively could could surprise people. In general, I think they're just looking for, you know, Love got the huge comeback win last Sunday, but 
can he be a little bit more consistent? Can they be a little bit more consistent as an offense? And if Jones is back in there, I think that does a lot to just sort of establish the motor of of their offense. LaFleur is is in his bag. I mean, the way that he is scheming guys open, the way that yeah. he is designing that thing to fit what the quarterback wants to do has been really impressive. And I do think that that running game and Jones in particular just helps them keep the chains moving in a way so that the schematic stuff, those can be the shot plays. Those can be, that's where you get your explosion, but they need just a little bit more down to down consistency. And I do think that if they get him back, whether it's this week or or in the future, but that would go a long way. Um, So I'm sort of looking for a, Oh yeah. Aaron Jones is really good. (laughs) Yeah. Cause you're not running like the schemed up stuff on second and long and third and long. It doesn't work as well right. like play action doesn't work in those situations so i my thing is like i'm if they have like a bad performance i'm not so concerned just because it's early in the process and i think over time yeah the pieces are in place the coaching is in place i'm not giving joe barry in the defense that benefit of the doubt because they've never shown me that like joe barry has never shown me anything that says he deserves it you've been hurt before All right, looking forward to that game. This has been Dual Threat on the Ringer NFL Show feed. I'm Nora Princiati. He's Stephen Ruiz. Thank you, as always, to Stefan Anderson for producing this episode and to Connor Nevins and Arjuna Rangwapal for additional production supervision. Extra Point Taken will be up next. Ben and Sheil Friday on the feed, and then we'll be back on Sunday night. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.org slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit chaosgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 